Welcome to the Crazy Love Podcast. If you were to ask someone right now, are you a good person? What response would you expect to hear? For the vast majority of people in America, we would determine how good we are by comparing ourselves to others rather than to Jesus himself. In this classic teaching, Francis Chan confronts the sin of pride by taking a look at the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector found in Luke chapter 18. He reminds us that in order to guard ourselves against overconfidence and self-righteousness, we need to remember who is ultimately our final judge. So we pray that you find this episode especially encouraging and that it brings you deeper in your walk with the Lord. This morning as you come in and you're getting ready to hear a message, do you tremble at the words of God? Or do you go, well, you know, I'm going to listen to this and see if I want to obey it or not, this or that. Or, or do, you, do you really just go, gosh, you know, this, I'm about to hear some words from God. That's a serious thing. And to, to have such a humble spirit and, and hold his word up so high that it actually causes you to tremble. And you think, I, I need to take this seriously. These are coming out of the mouth of God. Because this, this can quickly become something that is common, something that is regular or just normal and just a part of your life rather than something you, that would seriously cause trembling. And uh, as we talk about humility and these things, I mean, I, I hope it's something that's, uh, I, I don't even know what I'm trying to say, other than are, are you taking this morning seriously? Or is it just another week at church? Um, I don't want to lose that awe over the word of God. How many of you, by a show of hands, how many have ever been told at any point in your life, have you ever been told you had bad breath? Okay, most of the people. Okay, is there, is there anyone here, how many of you have never been told your whole life, not even once, no one's ever told you that you had bad breath? Anyone? Oh, okay, a couple. Really? Okay, they didn't even go, oh, I'm going to have a mint. Would you like three? You know, I mean, that counts. That, that's subtle, but you know, that, that counts as being told. I, uh... <laughs> It just happened to me again on Friday. <laughs> it killed me. I, we went to this Greek place, okay, you know, right up the street from my house, that little Greek deli on Cochran and Sycamore, which is really good, by the way. And, uh, and I had one of those meat things, you know, where they saw it off of the thing that goes around and around, um, a gyro, and they put a bunch of onions in that white sauce, and, you know, and spicy, and, ah, you know, I just loved it. Walk home, and, and my house is like the little girl hangout. I wonder why. But all the neighbor girls come, you know, they hang out at our house, and, uh, and they'd found this little birdie that fell out of a tree, and they're like, hey, Mr. Chen, do you have like a, a little blanket or towel for it? So we wrap it all up, and one of them goes, well, how are we going to feed it? How are we going to feed it? And I go, well, this is what their mommies do. They go, you know, and, uh, and the little girl goes, wow, Mr. Chan, you have really bad breath. <laughs> oh, and it's the most embarrassing thing, you know, you're standing around with a bunch of little girls. Yeah, <laughs> just had a euro. Uh, anyways, but it is, it's, it's that horrible feeling of, I can't believe you just told me that. But on the other side, you're thankful because now you can do something about it. Now, honestly, how many of you are the type that if you had bad breath right now, you would actually want someone to tell you? How many would want someone to tell you? Okay, and how many would just say, you know what, just don't, don't even say it. Okay, you'd rather just stay in your own little dream world and <laughs> believe your breath is wonderful. But, um, what was my point? 
Oh, okay, here it is. Okay, this morning, this morning we're talking about pride. Okay, we're talking about self-righteousness. And the thing about self-righteousness is it's a lot like bad breath in that it's hard for you to tell that you have it. Okay? Everyone else can tell. Okay? And, and the thing is, 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 is with self-righteousness, with pride, there are going to be very few times in life when someone will actually be honest enough to tell you and say, you know, I've been seeing a pattern in your life. Um, you, you know, and actually to do it in a loving way. I mean, how often does that conversation really take place where someone goes to another human being and says, you know, you seem to be a, a bit self-righteous in this. You seem to be a little proud uh, in, in these areas of your life. I mean, we, we just don't, we don't say it. Um, and and it's, 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 a, it's a bummer because this is vital. I don't, I don't know that there's a sin that God hates more than for, for any of us here to feel self-righteous or feel good about, about who we are and what we've done in life, feeling like we're good people. Like, like I said last night at Family Fest, I really believe the deadliest mistake you can make on this earth is to believe that you're a good person. What's the most fatal, the deadliest mistake you can make on this earth is to believe that you're a good person. Because the Bible teaches that anyone who thinks that they are good and thinks that they're good enough to, to somehow earn their way to heaven will never see heaven. And so it's something we really want to guard against and, and, and protect ourselves on and, and, and you know, just, just get a handle on. If, if I'm being self-righteous, I'm being arrogant, I really need to work on this and get it out of my life because God absolutely hates this. And, and it can be deadly. See, Jesus makes this clear in, in Luke chapter 18, verse 9. And uh, as we broach this subject, you know, it's, it's just tough because it's so slippery. It's, it's something that, uh, that, again, it's hard for you to gauge yourself. And it's rare that you find someone in your life that will be honest enough to tell you these things. But in Luke chapter 18, verse 9, it says this. It says, To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. He said, two, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He won't even look up to heaven but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Okay, so, so it's very clear. The scriptures explain why Jesus told this parable. It was written, it was spoken to those who were confident of their own righteousness. Now, who's that? Who's confident of their own righteousness? I'd say the vast majority of people in America. You walk up to just about anyone and you ask them, are you a good person? They'll probably say, eh, yeah, yeah, I think I'm a good person. And most people in America would say, you know what, if there's a heaven, you ask them, okay, so let's just suppose, imagine there is a heaven. 
Do you think you're going there? Most people would answer, yeah, I think so. And when you ask them why, they go, well, I've lived a pretty good life. You guys heard that before? <laughs> Hear it all the time, right? I mean, if there's a heaven, don't you think you're going? And most people say, yeah. Because why? Because I've been pretty good. You know, I, I don't do a lot of bad things. I'm a pretty good person. They're confident of their own righteousness. They're confident that they're good. They're confident that they're good enough to get to heaven. So I don't, I don't want you to read this and think, well, this is just about a few, you know, little group of freaks here in America. No, it's, it's widespread. I mean, it's rare that you find someone who isn't confident in their own righteousness nowadays. But this, and Jesus says, I'm writing this to those, I'm saying this to those who are confident in their own righteousness and who look down on everybody else. Who, who feel like, you know what, I'm better than them. Do, do you know that there are people, um, of course you know this, that many people hate Christianity. Many people hate Christianity. You know what some people absolutely cannot stand about what a lot of us believe? It's this. They'll say things like, you know what I hate about it? It's like, you guys believe that some murderer on death row I mean, some evil, horrible person that's lived such a miserable life can at the end of his life truly make a turnaround and cry out for mercy and be forgiven for all that? And then me, whom I've lived a good life, I haven't done all of those horrible things, that I'm going to be punished for the things I did wrong? That's just, that's just wrong. And people absolutely hate what we believe because they go, you know what? Those people, they should be punished, not me. I've been good. That's evil. See, that's exactly who Jesus is writing to. The people who say, I'm confident of my own righteousness and I'm thankful that I am not like those people. It's the same thing this Pharisee was doing. Understand that? And so Jesus is, is giving this parable and telling the story for, for that type of mentality. And he explains a story how, you know, two people went up to pray. You, you, got, a, you got a Pharisee. A, a Pharisee was a, a religious leader. You guys know that. There were the Pharisees, and, and actually, the thing you got to understand, and I've talked about this before, but the Pharisees started off with, it seems like, very pure and good motives. Do you understand how the Pharisee, that, that Pharisaical sect really started? It was during the time when the Greeks had infiltrated that culture. It was during the time of the Greek Empire, they and that, that Hellenistic culture was starting to mix itself with the Hebrew culture, with the Jewish culture, the, the followers of Yahweh. And there were certain people that were saying, hey, we can't blend, you know, these people's pagan rituals and culture with, with the, the purity of, of our, our following of, of Yahweh God. And so let's separate ourselves from them, you know, and let's, let's stick to what the Word of God says and let's be pure and be separate. I mean, that's, that's a wonderful thing. You're seeing the way the culture is going. You're seeing the believers are starting to head that way. And you say, let's back off and let's get real again. And let's get back to what God wants. But what happened over time was a self-righteousness developed. Of like, well, we're the followers of God. In fact, you know, if we're really followers of God, we shouldn't do this, 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 or this. And they started making these new commands to separate themselves even more. And that was possibly with good motives. Of just saying, you know, let's go to the extreme. 
You know, let, let, let's, let's, let's not just tithe of what we uh, receive. Let, let's tithe of everything. You know, let's, let's fast not just once a year on the Day of Atonement. Let's, let's fast like twice a week. You know, and then you start making these requirements. Of it, and then suddenly you start fulfilling all these requirements and you start feeling good about yourself. Okay, that, those were the Pharisees. Again, I know they get this bad rap, and, and rightly so, because of what they had become. But you got to remember the original intention was we want to stay pure. We, don't, we want to be unstained from the world. So that guy goes up to pray, and along with him comes a tax collector. Now, that's, that's the opposite. A tax collector was a guy that was hired from the, by the Roman government, and the way the Roman Empire worked is that they would, they would you know, take over these, these groups of people and let them live their lives, you know, and they wouldn't just exile them. They would let them live in their land, let them prosper, and then they would tax them so they could get the revenue. Okay, now what a tax collector did is not only did he get taxes from these people and give it to the Roman Empire, but he would tax them as much as he felt like that day, grab a little bit extra for himself. That's how they got rich. And so it was a pretty crooked practice. I mean, if you were a tax collector, you were known as a thief. That's just what you did. That's how you got your money. You just taxed people to death, grabbed their money, gave some to the government. That's your life. So the, Jesus is saying, okay, so these two individuals go to pray. And I'm giving you a lot of background here, but there were three times that a, a devout Jew would pray. You'd pray at 9 a.m., at noon, and at 3 o'clock. Okay, those were the three times of prayer that they, they put together. Now, if, if you wanted to be really spiritual, you would go to the temple. You would stop whatever you were doing, and three times a day, at 9, noon, and 3, you would go to the temple and you would pray. A wonderful, wonderful thing. It, it would be a great prayer. Could you imagine if we had something like that? just to remind us, you know, three times a day, you know, just stop what you're doing. You don't want to be great, you know, uh, just, just if something went off and you just knew, okay, I'm just going to devote this to God and just every three hours just take a break from my day and go, okay, this is, this is what really matters. So they're going to pray, and, um, and here's what happens. It says the Pharisee, verse uh, 11, the Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. Now, it's interesting, I mean, just the wording there, right? The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. In fact, it literally says he prayed this with himself. The, the Greek construction seems to say that uh, he was talking about himself to himself. Okay? I mean, it, it uses the word prayer, but the way it's constructed is he was talking about himself with himself or to himself. And, and, and it's that whole idea of he was saying it so that he could hear himself. And he was talking about himself and was really with himself because he really wasn't connecting with God and speaking to him. Now, now we look at that and we say, gosh, that's, that's stupid. That's disgusting. You know, he's just speaking to hear himself talk, and he's just praying so that other people would hear him. But before we become self-righteous, you know, let's think this through. Have you ever done that? Ever prayed in a group? And when you prayed in the group, haven't there been times when you weren't thinking about speaking directly to God? You're just thinking, okay, what, do I, what should I say? All these people are listening. How do I say it? Oh, I don't want to sound stupid. And what are you doing? You praying? Not really, you're just, you're just talking to people. You're just saying something to be heard. So let's be careful, because this is an easy trap to fall into. I don't want us to go, oh, yeah, look at that evil Pharisee, and go, well, do I really think about who I'm speaking to when I pray? 
I'll be honest with you, when I come up on this platform and, and I lead in prayer, or I travel somewhere and I, I, I lead in prayer, I'm about 50-50. Honestly, I, I, I guess 50-50. Half the time I come up and I just start saying stuff. I'll just start praying and, and I just, I forget. I just think you guys are listening or, you know, um, whoever's out there is listening and what, what do they need to hear or how do I say this just right? Um, rather than the other times where I, I stop and think, okay, I'm, I'm about to talk to the creator of the universe. I'm talking to God right now. Who cares what anyone else thinks? This is really what I want him to do. This is really what I feel. It, you know what I mean? And so we want to be careful um, not to fall into the same trap. Anyways, he, he's, he's kind of just talking to himself, but under the guise of prayer. And this is what he says. I mean, his prayer is kind of hilarious, right? He says, God, thank you that I'm not like these other people. What kind of prayer is that? God, thank you that I'm not a, a robber, an evildoer, an adulterer. And thank you that I'm not like that tax collector. I mean, that's just it's such a crazy prayer, but it's a parable. You know, Jesus is probably exaggerating a little bit. You know, that's the idea of a parable, just making it clear. But uh, he says, I'm thankful that I'm not like this, this guy. He goes, he goes, in fact, I fast twice a week. He goes, God, I, I mean, twice a week. I go two days a week without food just to pray. That's pretty good. And God, I, I do. I, I, I obey. I give a tenth of everything I receive. Everything I get, I give you a tenth. And, um, and so that's his prayer. Then the tax collector prays. A tax collector, his prayer is completely different. He, it says that first of all, the tax collector, he stood at a distance. He didn't even get up to the temple because he didn't feel like, I don't, want, I don't feel right going in the temple of God. I'm not worthy to go in there. And then it says that he would not even look up to heaven. He wouldn't even look at, he wouldn't even look up when he prayed. He was so downcast, like, I can't go to that temple and talk to God. I'm not worthy of that. I can't look up there. He knows everything that I've done. And then his prayer is, is, is he says, it says he beat his breast first. Before he even say anything, he, he beats his breast. Okay, it's not a Tarzan thing. You know, the idea of beating your breast here, it's, it's a picture of excessive grief. Like you ever, um, you ever get so mad at yourself that you just go, gosh, I'm so stupid. You know, it's that, gosh, how could I, how could I do that? And, and that, that act of like hitting yourself is like you're mad at yourself. You're angry at yourself. Like, how could I do such a thing? You ever been so angry at yourself because you did something you knew was wrong? And you just weren't thinking at the time. Your consequences now, and you're looking at all of them. You go, man, it not only hurt me, it hurt my family, it hurt all those around me, and God hates this. I know he hates this. I knew better than this. And you just, you're, you're just, you're angry at yourself. There's no better term. You're just so frustrated with what you've done. That's the picture of this guy here. He's just going, can't go to the temple after what I just did to him? What, after what my life has been? I can't even look up at him. And you're just, you're just angry. You're, you're hitting yourself like, what do I even say to him? And then he says the words, have mercy on me. He goes, God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mercy, what is mercy? It's not getting what you deserve, Right? when you deserve punishment, having mercy is saying, okay, you deserve that punishment, but I'm not giving it to you. He's saying, God, okay, I know I deserve punishment, but could you please just have mercy on me? 
And, and the word here actually is only used twice in the New Testament. This is one of them where, where it literally means to make atonement for or to cover over, to atone for. Uh, it's, it's the whole idea, God, can you make up for this? Because there's nothing I can do to make up for what I've done in my life. I'm not going to do a bunch of good works and somehow cover up the sin in my life. So God, can you do it for me? Can you show mercy? Can you atone, cover over sin for me? Because there's nothing I can do about it. It's begging God to not give him what he deserved. And he says, have mercy on me, a sinner. And it's interesting, because in your Bible, it probably says, have mercy on me, a sinner. But in the Greek, there actually is a definite article there. And it, it literally reads, have mercy on me, the sinner. And I believe this is very significant. Because he's not saying, I'm a sinner, like, come on, we're all sinners. Everyone does this. It's just, you know, it's, it's singling himself out. And he says, you know what, I'm the sinner. And, and as I thought about that, I thought, you know what, I do, I do that. I, um, I sometimes group myself to make myself feel better about my sin. And I think, well, that one's really not that big a deal. I mean, thou shall not covet that shouldn't have even been in the top ten. You know, that, you, you just go, everyone, everyone covets. Everyone has a little greed and desires what someone else has. And so we don't even bother confessing those, right? Because everyone has that. And, you know, so I'm just a coveter like you guys are all coveters. And suddenly it kind of lessens the whole impact, right? I'm just a sinner amidst a bunch of other sinners. And, and I exaggerate, yeah, but everyone exaggerates. So... So let me just move past those and let me just confess the ones that are maybe more unique to myself. You see, that's, that's being self-righteous. That's trying to make yourself look better than you are. And, and this guy's just saying, you know what, just have mercy on me, the sinner. It, there's, there's, a, there's a singularity about it. It's just me and God. It doesn't matter what the rest of the world does. Actually, okay, let me, let me ask you guys. I wasn't going to say this, but, um, okay, have you guys ever, maybe I'm the only one in the room, but have you ever had that weird thought, just a random thought that passed through your mind one day where you thought to yourself, you know, maybe I'm the only real person in this universe. <laughs> you know, no, 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 stick with me. No, no, don't look at me weird, okay. But where you think, and everyone else is just like a machine or something. And how this is all just for me and God just watching me. How do I respond? And that I'm the only real person here. And you guys are just laughing to hide this whole scam. <laughs> and, and, and it's just me. And he's just seeing, you know, how's this guy going to respond? And I'm going to put this in his life. And these guys are going to act this way. But you, really, this whole universe is about Francis and what he's going to do. And that you guys are all machines. Has anyone else, come on, be honest, ever even thought that thought about? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Isn't that? That's so cool. I feel better. <laughs> but now it makes me think, okay. Are you guys just doing that? Okay. <laughs> Anyways. But you know what I mean? It's almost like, and, and, and in some ways, it's almost a healthy way to look at things at times. Or you just go, okay, it doesn't really matter what everyone else is doing, okay? Because this is all about me and God right now. And about, you know, he tells me what's right and wrong. And he's going to have all these people, you know, whether you guys are real or not, I don't care. You know, <laughs> you're going to go these different ways. And am I going to be strong enough and obey God's commands? 
and just go, no, it's he and I. And I'm just going to do the right thing in his eyes because in the end, he's just going to show me, look, none of that mattered. Because the truth is, is none of it really does matter in the end. It doesn't matter what he or she did or, well, this person did that to me. That it doesn't matter. It's you and God. And either you are the sinner before him or not. And this guy recognized that. He says, God, have mercy on me. I'm the, I'm the sinner. And, and this whole idea, I, I want you, you know, when he says that, um, God says after that, he says, I tell you, this man, rather than the other, went home justified. He didn't say, so they both left the temple that day and they were both okay in my sight. He didn't say, and this guy was okay because he cried out for mercy and this guy was okay because he was already living a good life. No, he says, this man went home justified rather than the other. He makes it clear. Look, it's the person that sees his own selfishness, his own sinfulness, his self-righteousness, you know, and just goes, you know what? I need God's mercy. I'm the sinner. I've broken his commands. And this isn't a New Testament thing. Okay, a lot of people think, well, okay, now we cry out for mercy. In the Old Testament, you know, they had to obey the commands. And if you did a good job, then you'd go to heaven. And then in the New Testament, Jesus died for us. And so then now there's mercy, and he pays for our sins. You guys, that, nothing could be further from the truth. The Old Testament is filled with mercy. Every time they had a sacrifice, that was a sermon on mercy, a serious sermon on mercy, a serious sermon. I mean, what, what do you think the Day of Atonement, the same word here, was all about? What do you think these sacrifices were all about? The idea is, is that if you sin, which they all did, you had to bring this unblemished animal to the altar. You would bring it, and, and what were you doing is you were placing your hands upon this animal, and, 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 and the, the picture is, is you're placing all your sins, everything you did wrong, you're putting it on this helpless, blameless, unblemished animal, and the priest would come by and slit its throat, and its fall, it would fall to the ground, and, and it was this picture of that animal just paid for what I did wrong. What is that a picture of? It's mercy. Say, you did something wrong, but you're not going to pay for it. This lamb, this innocent lamb is going to pay for it. That was the whole Old Testament teaching, is you can't obey the law. Look, you all screwed up. Why are you all in the temple with your sacrifices again? Because you messed up again, didn't you? And everyone did. And what what were they preaching there? Mercy. This animal, it's a picture of God making a provision to take your blame And it's all a beautiful, beautiful picture of the lamb that was going to come. It's a beautiful picture of Isaiah 53, of the one that was going to be, who's going to be pierced for their transgressions. See, there's going to come a day when someone's seriously going to pay. The lamb of God will wipe it all away, will atone for your sins. And so if you're still in life thinking, well, you know, I'm, I'm a good person, look, that doesn't fly. You're, you're saved because you put your faith in the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, that he loved you so much that he would have mercy on you and have someone else atone or cover your sin, pay for it, an innocent lamb. And have you ever made that decision to follow him and say, you know what, that, that is who I want to be. And I do want to die to that old self-righteous me. I'm not a good person. I look at my life before God and I'm a sinner. And then the whole ritual of baptism, the whole sacrament of baptism is you dying to that old you and saying, okay, I just killed myself with all my sin and everything else. I don't want to live that way again. And then you rise up and say, I'm going to live a new life. The Holy Spirit in me 
forgiven by God. I've been cleansed of all of this and I'm moving to a new life. See, but some people don't feel like they need that. They don't feel like, well, I don't need this atoning, this making up for. I mean, why did this Pharisee feel so self-righteous? Do you know why the Pharisee felt good about himself? Was because he compared himself to the wrong person. That's how we get self-righteous. We compare ourselves to the wrong people. And you will become self-righteousness. You will become self-righteous if, if Jesus Christ is not the one you compare yourself to. Is Jesus the standard in your life? Is your life still a pursuit of becoming like Jesus? You see, if, uh, if Andy Steinfeld asked me, hey, Fran Frankie, he calls me, thank you. He, he says, uh, hey, are you a good surfer? I'd say, yeah, I'm, I'm a good surfer. And why would I say that? Because compared to him, <laughs> no, we just went the other day. <laughs> you were bad, right? <laughs> you knew I'd bring it up. Come on. Okay. So I could say, yeah, I'm a good surfer. I shred, you know, compared to you. Now, now if Kelly Slater comes up to me, you know, and says, hey, 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 Francis, you know, I heard you surf. Are you any good? I'd say, no, I stink. I'm terrible. Why? Because compared to him, I would. You see, it's, it's that same thing that we do in life. If we have this standard, you know, like this Pharisee, and we, we can look at other people and say, well, I'm pretty good. I, of course I'm a good person. Look at those people. Look at, look at Jeffrey Dahmer. Look at, you know, Hitler. Look at, you know, look, look at all these evil people. They're bad. And so we can say, yes, I'm good. But what about when you compare yourself to Jesus Christ and you compare yourself to God's law and let that be the standard? You see, because if you walk out this door and, and, and someone asks you, hey, is Francis a good guy? You go, yeah, he's a good guy. But what if uh, someone asks God, hey, is Francis a good guy? What would God say? He already gave his answer in Romans 3. He goes, there's no one who's good. There's not even one. They, they've together turned aside and become useless. There's no one who does it. Not even one. They're, they're all walking away from my command. Francis, are you kidding me? Do you know his life? Do, do you see the things in it? I mean, good? You see, it, it's all a matter of who you, you, you uh, compare yourself to. And, and really, who's your judge? I mean, who, who, who gets the judge? You, you see what's so popular in Christian circles today? is that Christians will go and find other Christians, even though they know they're doing something that's against God's, God's law and God's commands, will find other Christians and say, hey, you don't think what I'm doing is that bad, do you? Right? We'll go around, we'll find the right counselor until someone goes, no, that's not that bad. You, you can walk into any Christian bookstore and find a book that'll support just about anything. Make yourself feel better about yourself. You want, you want to surround yourself with some friends that will tell you, oh, no, you're good. You're good. That's not so bad. I do that, too. I'm even worse. And then suddenly you walk away and go, oh, I feel better. Why? Because you, you're letting someone else judge you. And, and some of you are even bugged when I come up here and say, no, you're not a good person. Because you go, no, no, no. That's a lie. All my friends say I'm good. <laughs> Ew, people do that. They, they do. They go, ask anyone. I'm nice. I'm the one that they go to when they have problems. You know, people come to me for advice. Seriously, all my friends think I'm good. See, here's the problem. When you die, you're not going to be judged by all your friends. Okay, they don't sit in a jury, you know. 
all your friends, jury. What did you think of him? Okay, do you get that? Okay, when you come to the end of your life, you stand before the judge. And he doesn't compare you to other people and say, eh, you're better than them. He says, no, here's my law. Here's the way I told you to live. Here's the way my son lived. Here was the example. How did you do? Exactly. You know, it's just, that's all you got to say for yourself, you know? Seriously, you got nothing to say. Wham, that's exactly, isn't that what Isaiah says in Isaiah 6? Where's me? Whoa. He just says, I'm dead. I don't have anything to, 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 to fight. That's good, huh? Okay. Oh, getting arrogant, getting arrogant. Okay. But seriously, you know, and, and, and he says, he says at that end of the passage, and this, this sums it up, <laughs> bring it back together. He says, okay, can't do anything with that one. Everyone, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. Okay, bottom line, anyone who exalts himself, you're going to be humbled. What, what does it mean to exalt yourself? It means you make yourself sound better than you are. Make yourself, try to make yourself look better than you are. You ever do that? You know, when you communicate to people, you're talking and, and you, you're, you're not communicating what's really going on in your life and who you truly are. You're communicating who you want them to think you are. And you try to make yourself sound a little better than you really are. See, that's a person who exalts himself. I do it. To be honest, I do it. Uh, you know, you, you try to just, you want them to have a high view of you for some reason. You exalt yourself. When the Bible says you exalt yourself, I'm going to humble you. The person who humbles himself, that's the person I'm going to lift up. And so, of course, we want to be in that latter group, right? We want to be those people that, that, that God lifts up, and so we want to humble ourselves. And that's what I want us to do right now. I just want to, you know, worship God through humbling. Worship God where, where we just come before God. And, and forget anyone else who's in the room. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. We're just going to have a time of confession where we come like that tax collector, where we come before God and say, God, okay, here's where your law is, here's my life, here's where I messed up. So would you just bow your heads right now? Just bow your heads right now. We're just going to have a time of prayer for a couple minutes. And again, don't, don't make any excuses for why you disobeyed God's word. Don't think about anyone that's done it worse. It's just you and God. You are the sinner and he is the God. And just come before him right now and then just start confessing whatever comes to your mind. Thank you for listening to the Crazy Love Podcast. We will see you next time with a new episode. But until then, for more resources from Crazy Love Ministries or to support the work of Crazy Love, please visit our website at crazylove.org. Thanks.